Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, January 28th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Locked On Blackhawks is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Get in touch with the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can send a voicemail or an email to LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Send a voicemail 708-653-0572. And this is another very special edition of of Lockdown Blackhawks. On Friday, we talked to Kendall Coyne. Yesterday, we talked to the voice of the Cubs and Red Wings fan, Len Casper. Today, sitting next to me is my longtime Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast partner, James Naveau, who has joined me here in my home, in my basement studios in Homewood. Uh, we're going to do Talk Back Tuesday together. James, welcome. Yes. Um, am I the first uh, guest that you've had on the Lockdown podcast that's actually been face to face with you? Or have you had any of these uh, interviews in the past? Have you had people come out to Palatial Homewood? No, <laughs> you are definitely the first in-person guest and potentially the last. I guess we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do have a lot of uh, billing to live up to with uh, Kendall Coyne and uh, Len Casper coming on the podcast. So I'll try to behave as best I can. Well, you are just as qualified as they are. Well, that's probably really nice compared to Kendall Coyne especially maybe maybe I know as much about hockey as Len Casper but we'll see I'm gonna doubt that no it's <laughs> I didn't mean that I'm sorry that was mean uh look you have a hockey podcast he doesn't he just calls Cubs games like some kind of bum yeah he's, he knows about that and I've, <laughs> I've been a Cubs fan all my life but I'd venture to say that Len Casper probably knows more about it than I do so I'll, I'll give him the benefit on that one and I'll uh I'll take the hockey thing and I'm sure he wouldn't mind if I did that no I don't think he'll be upset about it all right so it's talk pack Tuesday we're going to answer your, your questions a little bit but James I want to pick your brain before we get into that a little bit about the all-star festivities uh, I actually quite enjoyed the skills competition. Oh, th- you did, did you? I did. I thought the uh, the thing I really liked was the Patrick Kane and everybody shooting from the platform. Mm-hmm. The problem is that's probably their most creative and interesting event, and it can't be duplicated in every arena because they just don't have the space to build out the platform. I suppose they could probably find a way to make it work. If they just put on risers or something. Put them on a scissor lift. That's what I say they should do. <laughs> as long as it's not too windy, Brian Kelly. Oh. But that could be that could be the way you get it done. But I think St. Louis just lent itself so well to that competition. That was really cool. It was really creative. And the other thing I enjoyed was the fact that they were bringing out legends to be part of it. Brett Hull was there. Al McInnes was there. Well, Brett Hull was there physically. I don't know about mentally. Uh, he was a drunk individual. <laughs> he, I don't think he's been sober since they won the Stanley Cup. No, uh, like father, like son. And uh, I love how they introduce Wayne Gretzky as Blues legend. No. Stop uh, how many games did he play for them again? Like literally like 15, right? Yeah, some ridiculously low number. He was acquired at the trade deadline and shockingly didn't want to spend the rest of his career in St. Louis. Um, anyway, I am Martin Brodeur them is what he did. Yes, he did. Oh God. I forgot about that one. Where was he? Where was blues legend Martin Brodeur? I think technically now, since he's in the, uh, devil's front office, maybe he can't do that. Maybe he was, maybe he's tending to his, uh, nephew children. <laughs> that could be part of it. As oh well. man. I will never grow tired of <laughs> uncle daddy jokes. Uncle Dad's the best. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, it was, uh, you know, I thought the three on three women's game was cool. I'd almost be for. It was almost like they, how do I put this? It, it seemed like they were playing slower than usual. 
And I don't know if they were afraid to mess up or afraid to make it too wide open. But I wish I would have seen a little more attack from both those teams. Part of me is just like, let them play whatever, two 20-minute period or whatever you want to do. Right. Like a five-on-five five game. Just let them put their game on display. Yeah, I suppose that that, was, that that would have been really good. I also was a little bit off-put by the fact they weren't allowed to wear their national team sweaters. Like, you couldn't have really come up with a good way to incorporate the NHL logo and the American flag or the Canadian flag. Like, I thought that was kind of odd, too. But I think for the most part, if you want to judge it based solely on the quality of the hockey that was played... That was by far, to me, the most entertaining bit of it. I thought the the skills thing that you were talking about, the whatever it was, the target it was shot. It's called the Shooting Stars Thank Challenge. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it, what moniker they had uh, given it, but I thought that the competition between the women's hockey teams was the thing I think everybody was looking most forward to, at least in terms of the hockey folks that I follow on the Twitters and the social media verse. And I thought that it lived up to the billing really well, and I thought it was a really well-played game. It was really entertaining. And like you said, I have like minor quibbles, but yeah, give me more of that. I'll totally take it. It was good. And I've said for a long time that I I think the women's game in hockey most closely resembles the men's game. The only difference is the players wear masks and maybe it's a step slower. And when I present, you know, it's funny. I've had this sort of thought for a long time. And then Kendall Coyne didn't shoot me down, but she basically shot me down when I said, I feel like a woman is going to play in the NHL someday. And she was like, well. You never know. And I'm like, well, what would be the big challenge? Like, well, the physicality and the size. And then when you see Kendall Coyne, even next to Patrick Kane, I think Kendall Coyne is five foot two. Yeah, she's not very tall. She could just go right through Zidane Char's legs. (laughs) (laughs) Like a cartoon. (laughs) Be be very evasive. Be like, oh, hey, Tyler Myers, what's up? Well, I I do think that the potential for a female goalie could happen. I know Manon Rayom did it. And uh, in the preseason with Tampa Bay, like two, like twenty years ago, I can't believe Shannon Zabados never was able to do it. Like it, in an NHL uh, right. tryout, at least I know she had a contract with an SPHL team, I think, and I think then ended right. up leaving. Um, but yeah, I thought for sure that she would be the one who would kind of challenge that and potentially be able to make that jump to the NHL. But I think we'd be a lot more likely to see um, a women's player probably in that role, but. Part of me kind of does agree with Kendall, but it doesn't mean I want to agree with Kendall. I would love to see somebody like Hillary Knight get a legit shot at an NHL roster in September. I think that it would be a totally – that would be a great thing to do, and I think that she would definitely acquit herself because she is a hell of a hockey player. I do think the main problem – the roadblock I saw was how is a man going to play physically against a woman? And are you going to have, you know – Brooks Orpic, he's retired. But Brooks Orpic, <laughs> you know, or a player like that, have to check Hillary Knight. And how does it? How do you work through that? It, like basketball is one thing, baseball is one thing, mm. whatever. In a physical game, that's a bit of a challenge. They figured it out in wrestling. That's true. They just sort of do it. Yeah. And then the woman punches back and it's over. Exactly. But you're out there playing the same game, and as long as you know she's willing to. You know, take that on. I know that they don't allow like necessarily body checking in women's hockey, but I think that a player, especially of a uh, Hillary Knight's caliber, or one of the many other uh, women that were on the ice on uh, Friday night, I think as long as they're willing to, you know, go with that, I think eventually it'll all kind of work itself out. I think it's one of those concerns that sounds really bad now, but I think in practice probably wouldn't end up being that bad. 
the other thing is that I feel like every time the all-star season runs, rolls around, people are trying to reinvent the wheel on how to make it more interesting, how to make it more entertaining, how to make the players care more. I do think that the million-dollar purse split between the winning team has made the championship game a little more intense, especially in the second period. You see both teams like, okay, it's close. Let's actually try to win this. Yeah, they actually kind of locked down defensively. and It's like 90000 a guy, which isn't bad. No, espe- I would take that. Well, especially for a guy <laughs> like when John Scott was on the roster, that was a big chunk of change to him. That, like, what, like, added 20% to his NHL salary or something like that? Yeah. Anyway, I think, you know, they've got a pretty thing, good thing going with the All-Star game. I like some of the changes they made this year, so let's hope they stay innovative and keep it up. All right. Well, you know what's going to happen is they're going to be like, oh, let's do World Cup of Hockey instead of an All-Star game. Oh, I would love that. I'll take the World Cup all day. I would rather. Games that count and matter and competitive you'd ra- yes. would you rather them do the world cup of hockey as the uh all-star break thing or would you rather them go back to the olympics mm. i kind of like the olympics being the Oli- amateur yeah. honestly like at least so at least semi-amateur i kind of liked i liked the yeah, cool the sheer to- chaos of it in 2018 was pretty awesome well, it's a cool way to see guys that are that are coming up you know I, I, mm-hmm. I i think that's a fun way to watch it all right let's wrap this talk up it is time to get to your Talk Back Tuesday questions here on Lockdown Blackhawks. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to get to your Talk Back Tuesday questions. Let's get right to it. The first question comes from Marty. He says, is the Matt Tompkins signing a precursor to Bowman trading one of the current goalies at or before the deadline? If you missed it, the Blackhawks signed Rockford goalie Matt Tompkins to a pro contract. And while he is not the kind of guy who's going to come and play for the Blackhawks this season, if they were to trade Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford or in the unlikely event of both, they would now be able to bring up Cowan Delia or Kevin Lankin in to be the backup goalie, and they'd have another backup at Rockford. That's the reason that trade was made, or that signing was made. It's protection for if they do decide to trade a goalie. I mean, that was the first thought I had, too, and I'm sure a lot of Blackhawks fans are the exact same way. I think that you definitely looked at it as an insurance policy in case they do decide to move one of those guys. Not sure, you know, which if they'll move one of them, it depends on where they're at in the playoff race. Don't forget, they're only three points out. They could end up being buyers. But that's also a you know thing with the trade deadline being a month away is that we still have quite a ways to go to figure out whether they're going to be in that camp. But I definitely, that was the first thought I had, that this was Colin Delia or Kevin Lankinen will probably end up in the NHL at some point. You need a good goaltender. And, you know, Matt Tompkins has earned it with his play down there. So I think it was a smart move on their part. All right, let's go to the first voicemail of the show. This is Carter. Uh, My question is, uh, with the assumption that Gus is traded and Seabrook does not come back, I know that those are both big assumptions, uh, but with those assumptions, who would your top six D-men be for the 2020-21 season, Uh, and what would your ideal pairings be, Uh, and who would be your rotating seventh man? Uh, With regard to your homework assignment, I would be fine with trading Gus and Crawford. Um, but for the most part, I just want to stand pat and see what we can do with the guys that we got. Go Hawks. 
Carter, thanks for the email. So, okay, so Gustafson is gone. Seabrook is gone. I'm going to say, well, I think DeHaan will be back. Yes. Ian Mitchell will be here. Yep. Uh, Keith is still here. Mm-hmm. Murphy's still here. You think Murphy will still be here? Yeah, I think so. In his scenario, at least. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, Boquist. Obviously, yeah. Uh, so is that six? Let's see. I think Keith, that- Murphy, Boquist, Mitchell. Yep. Dahan, Mata. You, yep, and you're saying Mata will be here. Who's your seventh then? I guess. I, I mean, it's yeah, either Alec yeah. Regular or Nicholas Bodan, right? You know, Bodan, Bodan is sort of. Or Bodan, qu- sorry. No, it's, yeah, it's Bodan, but he's quickly kind of, over the last little bit here, has sort of taken a step up, it seems. And he, that might be a realistic option. Uh, Gustafson will be gone. Slater Cuckoo is a restricted free agent, but I feel like they can get him back relatively cheaply you also still have dennis gilbert who wasn't great by any means but he played fine in the nhl yeah but I if guess. your options are between him and bodan i would definitely rather have bodan oh, up at the nhl level definitely because you want to get some actual upside up here and a guy that might matter to the future yeah i, I think that would be it. as far as the pairings i don't know i'd, I'd have to see more from bodan i want to see how mitchell's game translates to the translates to the nhl but Mitchell for sure is a top six next year. He oh, might, absolutely. He might sign this year and finish the year with the Hawks. I don't know. Remind me to look into this. I don't know if he would be playoff eligible. Uh, I believe he would be playoff eligible, but obviously the Blackhawks have to get to the playoffs first. Yeah, let's uh, cross that bridge when we get there. But and, yeah, yeah, it all and it all also depends on the Frozen Four and all of that stuff too. Right. So, so I would say Keith, Boquist, Murphy, Mitchell, Mata, Dahan. Okay, I can go with that. And you've got to hope that DeHaan is healthy, and then your seventh is... Well, look, if if you bring Bodan up... Odds are he's, he's probably going to be in your top six. Exactly, he's going to be playing. So you're pro- are you probably thinking, what, Slater Cuckoo would probably be the swing guy still? I would think so, or yeah. they just let Dennis Gilbert do it. Because like I, I don't think... like Gilbert doesn't strike me as a guy whose development they're afraid of stunting. They kind of know what he is. It's not like, a, oh, my God, we ruined Dennis Gilbert. Eh, he's a one-dimensional guy. He's a defensive defenseman. I think I like him more than most Hawks fans do. You just like the fact that he hits people, you meatball. I went to Notre Dame, too, which is helpful. <laughs> All right, next question. Let me pull up my little uh, email sheet here. It says, uh, as there's a whole – this is more of a suggestion than a question. Oh, okay. This is from Tyler. As there is a whole week left in a break, I have an idea for an edition of the podcast this week. You should discuss in detail every potential tradee in the Hawks lineup, as well as their value and potential picks the Hawks can get in return. Also, give us a plug for your book. I'm chomping at the bit to get a copy and hopefully meet you to get it signed one day. I'm a new fan. I want to know the lore and history of the organization that has me captivated as of late. As for the book, it will be out in time for the beginning of next season. So I don't have a link for it yet. I don't have any release date for it yet, but I promise you, when I do, I will annoy the living hell out of everybody. So what you're saying is that box of books <laughs> in the corner that you're sitting on, that's not for uh, public consumption? No, those are stolen. Oh, those okay. Are, <laughs> those fell off a truck. Uh, as for the idea for the podcast, not a terrible idea. And in fact, James and I are probably looking for an, an idea for the Madhouse podcast this week. That could be something we could do together. You mean just totally steal it from your... Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I guess that makes sense. They're both your podcasts. Yeah, I've got two in the bag already for this week for lockdown. I've got some ideas for later in the week, so yeah. I'm not too worried about it. So, Tyler, thank you for the suggestion. Next question. 
I don't get this reference. Maybe you get it. Okie doke. Our guy Fork from Hockey Night. Yes. He says, which Olive Garden is a good one? Bear in mind, there is a correct answer. <laughs> Jeez. I, I'm i going to let uh, Fork down, and I'm going to say that I don't get that reference. Nah, I don't know. I, I As far as I know, they're all bad. <laughs> so there isn't like a Buffalo Wild Wings of Bourbon A that's like the best in the... Well, there must be. He must have something in mind. But like, I guess that every restaurant has a best version of itself, right? You would think. So, all right, if anyone knows where the best Olive Garden is, let me know and maybe I will try it. I have stood against trying uh, the Olive Garden my entire life. I'm too close to Chicago. I'm too close to places that have like real Italian food. I know unlimited breadsticks, that's great, but then you're full in 10 minutes. Yeah, let us know where the best... Olive Garden is while we continue with Talk Back Tuesday. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Talk Back Tuesday with my Madhouse podcast partner, James Neville. Neville? Neville? Neville. Man, you, you get your own, you get your own podcast, and then all of a sudden you can't pronounce my name anymore. Wording is hard. Yes. You know this. Engli- English are hard. You're right. <laughs> you you're know right. this from working with me for five plus years now that, that I don't talk good. <laughs> I don't talk purdy. Uh, but check us out. Madhousepodcast.com is our website, at MadhousePod on Twitter. We've been at it for five years. Nice long-term, long-form podcast once or twice a week talking Blackhawks. Uh, so check it out. If you've not already, make sure you subscribe, rate, review that podcast, this podcast. It helps us out very much. We are going to go back to the voicemail lines. Colin in Pittsburgh. Um, just want to say, I think the team's really coming together. I really like the line combinations. I really think uh, Taves, Kubalik, and Kajulia is working well. And then number two, you got, what, Saad, uh, Carpenter, and Kane. You were always talking about how you have to be ready to play with Kane, and I definitely think Saad and Carpenter have the experience. Um, then when we get back, Strom, I think uh, he'll do real well with uh, – Kirby Doc and Debrinket, and then the fourth line of whoever, the penalty killers. So I think it's really coming together. I also think the defensive pairings, even though they're lo- they lost Seabrook and DeHaan, I think they're getting to know one another. And it just seems like for the last while, everything just looks really good. Um, I'm really enjoying watching when they get down two goals. I don't turn it off anymore like you used to because you knew it was over. Um, it's fun watching them come back and every game be competitive. Um, so I really hope they don't do a lot of uh, moves at the lo- trade deadline. You know, move some of those expiring guys or bring on an expiring contract. But uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, still not a huge fan of Colleton, um, but hopefully it'll stop line blundering because this one uh, seems to be working. So uh, still loving the podcast, both of them. So thanks. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Colin, thank you so much for the voicemail. What a pristine and glorious phone line that was. Sounds like you should be hosting Sportsnet's uh, trade deadline coverage. Yeah, that aroused me. Got a very honest. Got a very announcery voice. <laughs> I loved it. I, I didn't hear what he said. Yeah. I was just so <laughs> I was so fascinated by how pristine the phone. That's what happens when you leave a voice memo. See the difference? It matters. I'm just an audio weirdo because of my uh. career on radio. But uh, look, you're right. Lately, things have been a hell of a lot better, and. It's been hard to admit, but I think, and while I would still fire him today, given a better option, uh, you got to give some credit to Jeremy Cowan here for not only keeping the team together, but getting them competitive again in spite of all the injuries, in spite of the early season turmoil, all the things that could have gone wrong and felt like they were going to go wrong kind of didn't. And I think 
Cowan gets some credit for that. I also think the leadership of this team gets some credit for that. Duncan Keith said we got to start getting pissed off. Jonathan Taves said the same thing. And since those comments were made, they've been playing a hell of a lot better, even though they're not at 100%. Like, like you said, no Strom. Saad just came back. DeHaan's out. Seabrook's out. These are key players. And, yeah, you could talk about Seabrook's decline all you want, but he's still one of their six best defensemen. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So I want to give some credit to Jeremy Cowton for if we're going to blame him for everything that goes wrong, we've got to give him some credit for turning some things that, some things turning some things around here lately. Just going to keep saying what I've been saying all season <laughs> it's a long. a new audience, James. Just been saying this all season long on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which you should all subscribe to. It's yes. awesome. Yes, it is. All season long, I've been saying and cautioning Blackhawks fans, do not get – too high with the highs of the season and do not get too lows with the lows. I agree with you about Jeremy Colleton. He deserves credit for the way they've been playing lately. I still think he should be gone at the end of the season. But remember, those guys that you mentioned that they're without, the DeHans and the Seabrooks, they're without them for the rest of the season. And there yep. is still quite a bit of season left to go. And they play seven of their next eight games on the road. Yes. This is going to be a... We, we've talked so many times this season about this is the prove-it stretch. This is the time that they need to play well. And you know what? This is another one of those. Seven and eight on the road, you really do have to really bust your hump and be able to play some good hockey if you're going to stay in a very competitive race. That's what the Blackhawks are going to have to do. And I'm telling you right now, yes, I've liked what I've seen lately, but that is a rough, rough schedule yes. coming up, my friend. Well, it, It's just, yeah. you know, you, you got to keep that stuff in mind and just, again – Try to keep it on an even keel, guys. I know it's looked good. I know everything's been good. But you know what? We've heard this. We need to come out with a fire under our butt stuff before. And then the fire all of a sudden goes out and the, the butts aren't quite so hot. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast took a turn I was not expecting. All right. Th that they do when you uh, bring in me in here. Next email from Steve. Rate the Blackhawks players' butts. No, we will not be doing that. Not on this family podcast. Man, how did, how did they get that in so quickly? I, I didn't realize people <laughs> listen live to this thing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, this tweet from Dakota Smith. He said, I don't really fall for the rumors, but what is to talk about Keith possibly waiving his no movement clause to go play with Q in Florida? I read a post about it. Not sure if I believe, but is it a real possibility? Um. It is silly season when it comes to hockey trade rumors. Isn't it always? It always is, but now things are going to start to ramp up. But I really do think Drew Doughty is going to get traded this time. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I just, look, yeah. that to me, I, I have not heard that rumor about Duncan Keith. To me, that's dot connecting. That's saying, like, well, wherever Duncan Keith, well, he loved playing for Q. Maybe he will. Like, that's, you're, I think that's just people like, this makes sense because if he's going to waive his no movement clause, He's going to want to go with the coach he likes, right? Everyone always assumes those things, and it almost never happens that way. We make so much more of that as fans and as media and as, like, James and I, we're kind of both at the same time. Um, most teams are not thinking that way, and it's probably a good thing that yeah. they're not thinking that way. I will say that there is probably more validity to a player liking playing for a particular coach than there is in terms of players showing loyalty to a team you know eventually yeah you want to be part of a good team but you also want to go to the team that's gonna you know sign your paychecks next like it's not 
loyalty is not really all that common in sports, but I definitely I can see a little bit of an argument why Keith would want to go back and play with Quenville. I think the big thing for me is does Florida want to take that contract on, and I don't know if they do. I don't know if they do. They don't really have to. No. First of all. And See, okay, there is one other player. The other thing player. is, can they? Well, yeah, that, that is a good question, but I, I do have kind of another one I wanted to hit you with. If you're the Panthers, are you looking at a guy like Robin Leonard to solidify your uh, goaltending position, at least for the short term? I know they gave a lot of money to Sergei Bobrovsky, but, man, Robin Leonard would be a really good guy to acquire and really solidify that for a team that really could make some noise in the playoffs if they get the right matchups well the Panthers have according to cap friendly $380,000 in cap space is that enough to sign Robin Leonard (laughs) as far as I know that's more than five that's less than five million (laughs) I will double check my math now, well, this is where exp- we now here's where we can get say, creative. If, there's, if there's expiring contracts, if they well, even their expiring deals are not that are not, not that, that many. Yeah, they're not that rich. Uh, Evgeny Dadnov, you want him? It's th- a cool name. Thirty years old. That's four million. Mike Hoffman. That's a okay. See that now. That to me. This for you example, he already talked himself into it. No, guys. Mike Hoffman is fine. I don't, he's he's a fine player. He's not great. He's not a world beater by any means. He's an expiring contract. He makes $5.1 million. If the Florida Panthers want to give you Mike Hoffman to clear cap space and a prospect to get Robin Leonard and maybe a pick or two, then you absolutely listen. That's the sort of thing you could be listening for. And while the names, this is what I want Hawks fans to keep in mind. When these trades are made, you might not be in love with the name that comes back, but it probably won't matter. It's probably just an expiring contract to make the salaries work. If they're going to make a big contract move where a guy who makes five, you know, four million or more gets shipped out, they're going to have to take something back because most teams can't afford to just add a contract like that. Right. So if you if you see a trade and you're like, why would they trade for Mike Hoffman or Mike Green from the Red Wings or somebody like that? Like, wow, he's old and bad and expensive. Yeah. They're clearing a roster spot. They're they're making the salaries work. So that's the sort of thing I would keep an eye out for. And then the hope is that you're giving them this great player for the trade deadline to solidify their position in the playoffs, and they're going to give you something worthwhile for it. Right. That's that's the hope. All right, last one comes from Daniel. He emails every show, both of our shows. He are listens you, all the time. Are you sure about that? Is, is, it, is it a different Daniel? No. You would know this guy by the avatar. I see. I closed my Twitter. I don't want to show you, but – uh, trust me, he's written both of us all the time. He says, is there any justification in worrying that Stan trades Kubalik at the deadline if the Hawks regress and are unlikely to make the playoffs? He might fetch a nice return, maybe a first or second, and I worry Bowman is a GM who makes a move like that. I personally wouldn't support it. That would very much surprise me. I'd be surprised if Bowman would be allowed to make a move like that, considering I think he's going to be gone at the end of the season. Yeah, but if they make the playoffs... I'm telling you, James is wailing on himself with the microphone. That's it. Uh, see, this is why I don't want. I want them to make the playoffs because I love playoff hockey. But man, like if it if it means Stan Bowman gets to stick around and try to clean up the mess that he created, it's just no, just no. Is there a scenario in your mind where they keep Cowton and fire Bowman? <laughs> What's no. more likely? No. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. What's more likely? 
I'll give you three scenarios. Peter Chiarelli. Stop that. <laughs> Do not infect another podcast with your Peter Chiarelli crap. Uh, both are gone. Just Bowman's gone. Just Cowton's gone. What do you think is the most likely scenario? I think that the most likely scenario is just Colleton. Me too. I think that the second closest one should be both. I cannot see a scenario in which they keep Colleton and fire Bowman. I just, I really don't. Well, why would you want to force a coach on a new GM? Yeah. Unless, of course, your new GM is someone who's already in the organization, like the Al McIsaac or the Norm McIver or any of the... All of, any the of the and, any, well, as you said on the other podcast, uh, any of the mix, any of the mix, and I don't mean that <laughs> yes. in an insensitive way. They just both start with Mick. All right, let's end the podcast. I think before I get in any trouble, thank you for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. James Navo, thank you for taking some time out and hanging out with me. We're going to record a brand new Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast as well. Look for that one to drop on Wednesday or Thursday. We'll figure that out. But until then, thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.